Well, good morning. I want to welcome all of our campuses as we come together, and let's pray together before we open God's Word. Father, we thank you for your good grace in our lives. We thank you, Father, that uh, before we even had a thought of you, when our backs were turned to you, you demonstrated your love in this. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That's why we come, and that's why we sing, and that's why we interact together, and that's why, Father, we want to hear from you today to help us to, to follow hard after you in every area of our life. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come uh, from a week of busyness, uh, from a week of challenge, from a week of uh, great joy, some highlights, and uh, some challenges as well. And Lord, we come to meet with you, and we know that you are here to meet with us. Wherever we are, Lord, meet us there. Don't leave us there. Take us to that spot, that place where you want us to be. We thank you, Lord, that uh, through technology we can join together as, uh, as one body, and so we want to pray together as Jesus, our Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So over the last several weeks, we have been involved in a series of messages we titled, Unselfie, We, Not Me. <clears throat> the purpose of this series has just been to address our natural bent to self-focus, to self-absorption. Uh, we've said throughout the series, our goal is to get over ourselves so we can live beyond ourselves. The foundation of our series is found in Matthew chapter 22. It's when a lawyer came to Jesus to try to test him, to try to trick him. And this lawyer said, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest of all the commandments? Now, there are 613 commandments, so it would be pretty hard for Jesus to pick one commandment and say this is the greatest so Jesus, in the answer to that, quoted from two passages in the Old Testament. First, he quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 6 when he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he quoted from Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 when he said, You shall love others as yourself. So we've used that as the framework in this series. Our first love has to be God. That's where it starts. That's the first we. We have to have that relationship with the living God. If you don't know God through Jesus Christ, we encourage you and invite you to talk to us about what that relationship looks like. If you haven't come to that point in your life where you've trusted in Jesus alone as the only way, not one way or, or, or one of many ways, but the only way to have a relationship with God, we would love to talk with you. When you have that relationship with God, that's where it all begins, and we want that to grow deeper, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's always going to be work, right? That's always going to be ongoing. We're always going to be working to love God in a deeper, more significant, more meaningful way. When we love God and we have the vertical, then, as Jesus said, the second is like it, you love your neighbor as yourself. 
and that's the horizontal, others, and we want this relationship to be richer. Now, when we think of others, we can think of people around you, you can think of friends, you can think of work associates, and all that application is true, but others start right in that place we call what? Home. It starts with our marriage, the basic unit of community. And it starts with our family, our kids. In fact, it's interesting, that verse that Jesus quoted to the lawyer from Deuteronomy 6 is, is tied with instruction regarding the family. Let's look at that. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel. Remember, this is the Hebrew word Shema. Uh, the uh, Jewish people uh, called this the Shema, and they say it every morning and every evening. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words shall be upon your heart. They shall be you. They shall be absorbed into your person. And then uh, chapter 6, verse 7 says, once you have them, once the vertical is working, right? What? You teach them diligently to your children. We said that word teach means to repeat, repeat, repeat. You do it over and over again. You do it diligently. It is like an engraver engraving text on a stone, and so you are to engrave the truth of God's Word into the hearts of your children. But you don't just do that by saying, here's what you do. You do it by saying, here's how you do it. Let me show you what it looks like. You shall talk of these truths when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You bind them as a sign on your hand. Your actions demonstrate what it looks like to follow Jesus. The frontlets between your eyes, the direction of your life shows them what it looks like to follow Jesus. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You shall put them on every room of your house because your house should be absorbed, not only telling them, but showing your kids what it looks like to follow hard after Jesus. And as we've said, if it doesn't work at home, it just doesn't work. You can't win the world and lose your family. So here's what I want to do today. I was out at Wilkinsburg last week, and just a great couple I talked to afterwards. I've known them for a long time. They have little kids now. And, uh, and she said, okay, I, I, got the, I got the framework. I got the Deuteronomy framework. Give me something to do. Give me some tools. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to look at six things that you can do. Six things we're going to give you after the service. Not six things, but one thing we're going to give you. Some other things that we have op some opportunities for you to get. And we want to give you some tools today. Six things. Here's the first one. You need to pray for your children. You need to pray for your children. Prayer is not the last resort when we run out of other things to do. Prayer is not the last resort when, when we can't think of anything else to do. Prayer is the first line of defense. We live in a culture today that is opposed to the basic tenets 
of the Christian faith, the basic things that we believe, the things that we would say these are non-negotiable, our culture opposes them, and not just opposes them, but attacks them, the values of our faith. And so all around us, there is a call to materialism. All around us, there is a call to idol worship. You worship the person who's on the TV screen or the movie screen. You worship the person who's the athlete. And these first people are the ones who sell us the items. If they say we should do it, then we should do it. We live in a world where marriage, biblical marriage, is up for grabs. And we live in a world today, think about it, your kids live in a world where they carry pornographic material around with them in their pocket. That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? How do you battle that? You can't build enough fences around that. You can't tell them enough things to do. You've got to be on your knees before the Lord asking God to help you work through this and help you be the parent you need to be so that you can teach them well. Paul is clear in Ephesians chapter Uh, 6 verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It'd be easier to wrestle against flesh and blood, wouldn't it? But we don't do that. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes uh, uh, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And here we go, 18 what? Praying at all times. Praying for our children in the spirit. That's not a prayer language that we pray. It's the Spirit that lives within us. We are praying by the power of the Spirit. The the Spirit gives us words, brings things to our mind, so that all times we can be praying for the things most important to us, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And all the saints starts with your kids. So let me give you a tool. After the service, we have a few of these left. We'll have some more next week. We've put together this little booklet, and it includes several devotions for parents, and it also includes several passages that you can pray for your children. It's free. You can pick it up. We put it together. Uh, It's not fancy by any means, and there are some things I'd already change on it, but it's there, and you can go through it. And one of the passages is Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I won't read all of this, but let me give you an idea. This is Paul's prayer of thanksgiving for the Ephesians. Remember, all these prayers that Paul is praying for other people, we can apply them directly to praying for our kids. And so, for this reason, Paul says, before I had heard of your faith in uh, the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We can give thanks to God for our children. Psalm 127 says, all children are a gift from God. So we can thank God every day for our children, that the Lord our 
that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Man, that's another thing we can pray for our kids, isn't it? You can't be with your kids 24-7. You're going to put them in situations when you send them to school or out into the world where you can't be with them. And we are praying that God gives them the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of discernment, the spirit of the knowledge of him. And you can pray all the way through this. It's in this uh, this uh, passage in this book gives you some ideas. There are nine things you can pray about for your kids. Thanksgiving is one. Wisdom is one. This uh, prayer talks about to know him better. It talks about our future hope. So you can pray that your kids live with eternity in mind. Not just for the moment. Not just doing things that satisfy now. But for eternity in mind. Glorious inheritance. Knowing that one day they will have the inheritance of eternal life. If they don't know Christ, that's the time to be praying that Jesus would interrupt their life and bring them to himself. Great power. Our kids need power as they face all the stuff going on in the world. Strength, established in love, to grasp the love of Christ. Again, you can pick this up uh, in the bookstore, but just start praying for our kids. Again, it's not, a, it's not a last resort. It's not I've tried everything else. I think I'll start praying. This is the first line of battle. Praying for our kids every day. Secondly, use this Christmas to begin a time for family devotion. Uh, a few weeks from now, December 2nd, uh, there's the first Sunday of Advent. Ad, the, the word Advent means coming. So you have the first Advent, Christmas, and you have the second Advent, second coming when Jesus comes again. And uh, use that time to, to do Christmas right. Not all the materialistic stuff of Christmas, but how are you going this year to focus on the real meaning of Christmas, not so you can do it just during the season, but so that you can do it all year long. So for years, uh, Lori and I have done Advent in our home. Uh, Advent uh, is something that Lori's family had a tradition. My family never did it. Uh, One day when we were dating, she invited me over to do Advent, and I went. I would have gone whatever she invited me over to do. I didn't know what Advent was about, but uh, if she was going to be there, I wanted to be there. So we did Advent with her family, and we have done it as a family ever since. When we got married, we started doing it, and we had kids, we started doing it. And so we put together a booklet to help you as parents take your kids through the Advent season. There in this book, there are, there are Christmas verses, there are Christmas carols, there's passages to read together, there's devotionals, there's closing songs, there's closing prayer. You can work through it with your kids. We love doing it. Now, our kids are kind of grown and scattered now, but when we come back for Christmas, we'll spend a good bit of time going through this, and we just have a blast doing it. I encourage you to, to pick this up in the bookstore, to do this together, but here's the deal. It's not just for Christmas. Our prayer would be that you use this as the way to begin having devotions with your kids. Maybe it's early in the morning when, before they go to school. Maybe it's afterwards. Maybe for us, sometimes when our kids got, started growing up and you know, they were going every which way, going to school at different times, it was Sunday evenings for us when we got together and we kept a little prayer journal and they took turns writing in there. We still look, we still look back at that. And it's so fun to see the things we were praying for and how God answered our prayers. But find a time to do it. You 
are the parent. No one can do it for you. I know you're busy. I know when you have young kids, they don't sit still. I know it doesn't seem like they're listening. None of those are excuses. You got to make sure you spend the time interacting with what's most important with your kids. When Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy, listen to what he said. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned. Timothy, where did you learn that stuff? And what you have firmly believed. Timothy, who taught you to believe that? Knowing from whom you learned it and from childhood. Timothy, from childhood. We learn later that it was his mother and his grandmother teaching him the Word of God. From childhood, from your mom and your grandmother teaching you, you have become acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise. Not just for memory verses, but they're able to make you wise. Wisdom, discernment for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't you like that to be written of your kids? Man, from childhood, you knew the sacred scriptures. And those scriptures were able to make you wise to follow hard after Jesus. So family devotion, start this Christmas. Number three, help your children determine what to look for and pray for in a friend and a spouse, in a friend and a future spouse. So let's start with friends. How important is it that your kids have good friends? Pretty important, isn't it? Proverbs 22 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways. It rubs off on our kids. And entangle yourself in a snare. When you hang out with people whose character are questionable, you get entangled in a snare. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We want people, we want, we want our kids to have friends who sharpen them in their Christian walk. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Don't you want your kids to have a friend who when your kid steps out of line, and they will, that friend says, no detours here. We're in this thing together. Get back on track. Better are wounds of a friend. Faithful are wounds of a friend. Profuse the kisses of enemies. So a couple things here. One, in the Proverbs series, we had a whole sermon on friendship. So go back and check that out. We also put together a little booklet for parents or grandparents. Proverbs was written for parents to teach their children the truth of God. And so we put together this little study book. Uh, you can get all the sermons online, but you can go through this with your kids. You could do it in a small group, whatever you want to do. But here's a resource for you to take your kids through the Proverbs so that you can begin to memorize certain ones, so that you can be, talk about the things, so that, you can, so that they can learn the skills and the wisdom of life. Everyday wisdom for everyday life. Again, in the bookstore. Now, here's another thing that I'm going to give you that uh, we've done with our kids, and we have a blast with this. I've done it with some, uh, I've done it with some uh, of the young adults here and the, and the high school kids. 
But here's an acronym that you can use to walk through with your kids. If you have younger kids, this acronym will help you uh, determine uh, how you can help your kids uh, uh, pray for the right friend. And if your kids are older, this is one we used and had a fun time doing it with our kids to say, what are you looking for in a spouse? What do you look for? Now, it's important that we do this before they get in the game, right? The Steelers play the Ravens today, right? One o'clock. Don't hurt yourself getting out of the parking lot, all right? <laughs> do you think that the Steelers are going to show up and say, well, it's third and four. I, w- I wonder what the Ravens normally run on third and four. I wonder what Flacco will do. No, they've studied that all week long. They prepared before they got in the game. Yeah, you can make adjustments in the game, but you prepare for the game before the game. So here's an acronym you can use with your kids. Uh, MATE, friends or spouse. And the first one is must have. What is it? that you must have in a friend? What's the starting point? What's the non-negotiables? What are the initial things you have to have in a friend? That's a great conversation with your kids, isn't it? What do you look for in a friend? What are some things you really want? Uh, if your kids are uh, of the age where they're looking for a spouse, what are, the, what are the non-negotiables in a relationship? Before you have a date, what are the non-negotiables? Well, I would hope, since it's a command, that being a Christian is one of those non-negotiables, but not just any Christian, someone who's growing, someone that they can match up and walk through life with. And again, you can work it out. You can have a great time. What are the must-haves with your kids? Here's the next one, add-ons. What are things that would really like to have? They're not must-haves, but I'd like to have them. Now, some people will say, the add-ons, that's a must-have for me. And some people say must-have, well, that's an add-on for me. Again, we're all made differently, right? But what are the add-ons? What are the things you would really like your friend to have? The T is take it or leave it. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. But those are good things to talk about, right? And then the E is end of the road. end of the road. So your kid knows that the moment they're with a group of friends and someone breaks out the drugs, that's it. Because I already know that. I've already made that decision. I don't have to sit there and say, oh, I wonder what I'm supposed to do now. I know I get out of that situation. I know I go call home and I get picked up. I don't do that. When they go over to a house and the pornography breaks out, your kids know, I don't participate in that. I already made that decision. I don't have to deal right now with, well, this is going to be uncomfortable and should I do this or not, as tempting as it may be. I know I don't participate in that. I already made that decision. I talked to with my parents on that. That's been ingrained in me a long time. If it's a spouse, end of the road, and this always comes up when I do it with the young adults. If there's any 
sign of abuse, verbal or physical. That is the end of the road. An hour before the wedding, it doesn't matter. Over. Many people are in abusive situations today, and again, it's terrible, and we want them to get out of that and help get the help they need, but many people are in abusive situations today. I'm not going to say everybody, not 100%, but many of them saw the signs during the dating years and chose to ignore them, thinking that that person was going to change, and they didn't do it. So parents, you've got to work with your kids to say, these are the things in life that really matter. I want to save you from some pain later on. Here are some things, some non-negotiables we're going to talk about. Here are some things that kind of be nice. Here are some things that, uh, that, uh, that take it or leave it doesn't really matter. But here's some end-of-the-road things. We know, this, we know this early on. By the way, you learn a lot about your kids when you go through this exercise. We had a lot of fun going through this with our kids. For, for, for our son Garrison, the end of the road was uh, peanut allergies. Uh, his wife didn't, his wife, he loves peanut butter so much, his wife didn't appreciate that he would give any end of the road like that. But uh, we'll see what you learn from your kids. Man, that's a fun exercise to work through, but so important. And you do that before you get to the point or they're choosing a spouse, or they're choosing those friends. Do it now, age appropriately. All right, number four. Teach your children how to handle responsibility. Teach your children the value of discipline. Whether it's a musical instrument, whether it's a drama, whether it's sports, why I've always loved sports because you've got to be on time, you've got to play the game, you don't always get to play as much as you might like, and so you have to work through that. There's a coach, there's an authority figure you've got to work with, and you're there with your kids. You help them work through all those things. Teach them the value of discipline. Teach them the value of hard work. Let them get a job. Give them jobs around the house. Again, you're the parent. Figure out how you're going to do that at your house age appropriately. You can check out this sermon. We did a sermon on Proverbs called The Theology of Work. So here you go, back to the Proverbs. Here's what God's Word says about work. Here's the link to that. So I was meeting with a a couple uh, on another topic uh, a few weeks ago, and while we were talking, they gave me something they did with their college-age students. So I I said, can I share that? I got permission to share it with you. John and Julie Dixon, if you know them. They gave permission to, to use this. They do it with their college-age student, but you could, you could use this age-appropriately at, at any age uh, of your kids. And they took the verse, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and Jesus, Jesus is a great example, isn't he? he that wasn't like a rhetorical question. I was just, I mean, that was a rhetorical question, sir. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so they took that, that as the framework and they used this acronym, GROW. The G is God. Jesus grew in favor with God. So that addresses the spiritual life. Some of the things they had there were Daily personal devotions. Are you going to be in the Word every day? And again, they did this with their college students and had a little covenant that they signed. You're going to be in the Word every day. Attending church. 
a Bible study, uh, the godly habits. Again, you could do this. Don't have to wait till your kids get to college. You could do this prior to. The, the E is read. Jesus grew in wisdom. And so uh, this is, sorry about that, focused on the mind. Jesus grew in wisdom. So here they talked about when you go to college, focus on your studies. Again, you can do this in junior high elementary, right? Focus on your studies. This is important. For them, they had maintained a certain uh, GPA. This is the expectation. This is what you have to work for. There's going to be some accountability or some incentives and, and consequences. Get to know your professors. Get to know your teachers at school. Uh, talk to them and have a relationship. That just teaches them so much then about when they get in the workplace to have a good working relationship with those who are over them in the workplace. O is others. Uh, favor with God and man, right? So this is uh, man, and this deals with our heart, how we interact with other people. The others, the vertical. So here they said things like, be considerate of your roommates. We could say in our home, be considerate of your brothers and sisters. A dating, healthy, physical boundaries. You got to talk to your kids about dating. They had here, when, the, when kids went off to school, stay in touch with your family. That's important to us. We want to we walk through this thing together. And then the, the W was workout. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man's stature. So this is uh, the body. Rest, exercise, eating healthy. How many kids go off to college and it's the first time they had all this freedom and they don't eat right and they don't get enough rest and they get sick and have to come home during a semester? That's not uncommon. So I thought this was a great way that we can use, and again, they have the kids sign it, they sign it, they date it, but a great thing we can use to work with our kids to help them learn response, a godly responsibility, just like Jesus did. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Now again, I can't drill down all the bullet points. That's your, that's your job. You're the parent. Be the parent. Do the things that God has called you to do. Because when he gives you that little life, Tag, you are it. And you're responsible all the aspects of the growth of your child. Number five. Be a student of your children and their culture so that you can be the best teacher to your children in their culture. You know, when, when parents tell me... <clears throat> You know, Ron, I don't know anything. About this, this internet stuff, man, I don't know. We, we just don't do it. You know, we just don't do it. Uh, I don't know anything about Facebook or Twitter, Snapchat. I've heard of that. What is that exactly? Um, Instagram stuff. We just, we just don't do that at our house. I got to tell you, that is not impressive parenting. You just admitted you are not concerned or know nothing about the world your child is immersed in. You better know a lot about all the internet stuff. If you have young children, by the time they grow up, they will have spent 20,000 hours accessing the internet. 
20,000 hours. Some of it will be for school projects. Some of it may be accessing some areas that you really don't want them to access. They will also have played 10,000 hours of video games. Now, when I was growing up, video games were just kind of starting. Like, what was that little Mario thing? This little ball bouncing back and forth, right? It's pretty serious now, isn't it? I mean, I just watched the commercials. It's like real life stuff. And every commercial I see, someone is blowing someone else up. Now, how does that not impact the brains of our kids? When they're sitting on a screen, blowing people up, and we're letting them do that. Well, yeah, because everybody else does. And my gosh, what am I going to do? I mean, all their friends are doing it. Well, you be the parent. You're not. You don't have to. By the way, let me just give you a... Let me, let me tell you something, and this is going to be a big relief to all of you. You don't have to parent anybody else's kid. Isn't that nice? But you do have to parent your kid. you got to stand before God, and you got to be responsible for that. A couple things. Two books you need to read. Uh, as parents and grandparents, we bought this book for all of our kids last Christmas. It's called The Next Story, Faith, Friends, and Family in the Digital World. This is not a book that says, oh, the world's going to pot and get off all the internet stuff. It's not that. This guy says, this is the real deal. This is reality. Our kids are growing up in this. Our kids are digital natives. This is all they know. So how are we going to handle it? When our kids, our, our kids today, uh, according to Chalice, has a new brain channel. We were, we were readers on paper, right? Well, they're digital readers, digital acceptors, and it's totally different today. So here's a book that you need to read as a parent, and you need to do a lot of things he's doing. He's got a great uh, section on here about just how to how to handle um, internet stuff. Um, first, educate. Now, you got, in order to educate your kids, you got to know about it, right? So you can't just play dumb. Fence the, area, fence, uh, the, the internet. Uh, and he'll say, they're going to break any fence you put up. So it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. That's why that vertical and showing them what it looks like Mentor, supervise, review, trust, model. And for goodness sakes, maybe your kids could come to church without this thing. And they wouldn't be bumping into people in the lobby when they're playing games all the time. Maybe there'd be a place in your life where this would be off limits. Just maybe. Just an idea. I don't even know if it's a good idea. Just an idea. All right? Here's another book. If you're going to read, the, read this one first, then here's another one. This is a great book, Pop Cultured. It's by a guy named Steve Turner. And Turner goes, and it's called uh, Thinking Christianly About Style, Media, and Entertainment. Again, Turner says, this is the world we live in. Can't get away from it. 
So how do you think Christianly about movies, about style, about what to wear and what not to wear, some great stuff in here, about entertainment? And he goes through, again, well-researched, great stuff. But one of the things he shows, when I was reading, he shows the reader, is that how we, we, just, we, we just follow blindly all the stars, right, that market something. So when we're watching the game today and some TV star or movie star uh, or sports figure markets something, we got to go have it. Again, a little bit of idol worship. He has this great story in here. I couldn't remember the name first service, but someone told me. Actually, my wife told me uh, after the first service. Um, Coco Chanel. Does that mean anything to anybody? Chanel. So Coco Chanel is this model back in the 1920s, a great story in here, a model in the 1920s. And that was a time where you wanted your skin to be pale because if you were tan, that meant you worked outside. That was like a blue-collar job. So the wealthy people, their skin was pale. So Coco Chanel goes to the French Riviera, and, she's, and she lays out or whatever, and she gets sunburned. And then she comes back, and everybody sees she's tanned. And guess what? Everybody wanted to be tanned after Coco Chanel did it. And that's why we have all the tanning stuff going on today. Coco Chanel, it's her fault. It's all her fault. (laughs) Some great stuff in here. So do the reading. Do the reading you need to do to know where you need to lead your kids. One more thing. Let's work together. So, that, so that's home. Now as a church, let's work together to really become an unselfie church. We use that word unselfie, but a church that cares about each other. It's moving the same direction, same time, same reasons. Man, we owe that, don't we, to our kids? Those beautiful little babies in the nursery those kids in preschool, those kids growing up, they need to know what it looks like for a community to come together and really demonstrate the love of Christ. Whether the church is God's idea. Last spring, the elders met together for a Friday and Saturday retreat. And we had a guy named Patrick O'Leary who's at our Robinson campus, lead us uh, in um, just thinking about where we were and where we were headed. And and Patrick did just a a masterful job in helping us through that process. And, And we learned we were doing a lot of things without a clear focus. We were spreading ourselves thin. And we were doing a lot of things without the excellence that we believe the Lord requires. After that meeting in the spring, the elders decided that we needed some, some outside help, a, a, a church group to come in and, and guide us in really determining the, the realistic goals, the big goals for the next years, one to three year goals, and in doing that, establish a a solid foundation, rebuild or repair any area of our foundation we needed to for the next 10 or 15 years. And so uh, 
the elders assigned a, a subgroup with elders and staff to, 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 to search for groups that did this. And we went on the internet and, and we interviewed groups and, and uh, we, we chose uh, a group out of Dallas, uh, Brian Audia Group. You can Google that and check it out if you want to. And so we've entered a process to identify and refocus on the most important priorities for us in the next coming years. We chose this group because uh, this was a group that got the congregation involved. We don't want to go off and come back with some vision and say, hey, guys, here it is. We want the congregation involved. We want this thing from the ground up. And so you're going to have the opportunity to be involved in this all along the way. There'll be meetings for you to come to. There'll be things for you to, to participate in. And again, we want to establish a baseline first so that we understand our strengths and we understand our weaknesses so we can build on our strengths and so that we can address our, our weaknesses. So we're asking you to start off doing a, a questionnaire, a three-question survey. And uh, let me just show you. You can do it. You can do it on the, on the, the Internet or on our website, and I'll show you what that looks like. Here's what the thing looks like. And, uh, or you can do it in paper, whatever you want to do. Now, if you do it on the Internet, that'd be great because then we'll have everything captured digitally. If you do it on paper, we'll, we'll, put it, we'll, we'll put it in, but we're happy to do it either way. So I know some of you say, well, I went to the Internet, and I want to make sure I can get to where I'm going. So we showed you. Let's just do this real quick. So you go Google BibleChapel.org, and there's where you go. Then you scroll down, and then it says take the survey. So you just circle that thing and circle it and circle it, and then you hit it, and then it goes to this page right here, and you can take it. Three questions. You can put your name on it if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine. Uh, campus if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine. Email if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine. But we would like to know the campuses because it helps us with each campus. But there are three questions. On a scale from 1 to 10, how likely are you to recommend the Bible Chapel as a place of worship? One being, I would never do that. And 10, extremely likely. Then, two, why did you give this score? So you can explain why you gave the score. And then three, what could the Bible Chapel do to change the score? Now, that's pretty simple stuff, but this is actually used in the business world by leading consultants, the Bain Company, if you've heard of that, if you, some of you businessmen and women. And uh, they come up with what's called a net promoter score. And that score will give us a baseline that then we can build on. And again, it takes everybody doing this. So we are encouraging you to participate uh, in this survey so we can get a score. Uh, on December the 2nd, this is due, the deadline is November 18th. On December the 2nd, we'll give you a summary of the results, good, bad, ugly. We'll give you the summary of the results, and then we'll all be able to work on this together. It's going to take every one of us doing this together to get to where we need to be to get those big goals for the next three years and build that foundation for the next decade. So please participate. Again, uh, internet, or you can pick this up at starting point at any campus, 
and fill it out. Turn it back in. There'll be a receptacle uh, out here in our lobby in South Hills and the other campuses. You guys will have a place to put this in as well. But please participate in this so we can get the baseline. So, on selfie, we, not me. It always starts with the vertical, our relationship with the living God. And we know, as people in general, as junior high and high school and elementary working through life, as young adults determining if God wants you to marry or, or who he wants you to marry, as married couples working through the stuff of marriage, no marriage is perfect. Everybody's working at it. As parents, no parent is perfect. All of us are working at it. We know it takes the Lord working through us to have any shot of doing it the way he wants us. This thing is over our head, isn't it? And so we need the Lord to give us everything we need to do what he's calling us to do. And it starts with getting over ourselves so we can live beyond ourselves.